everybody. Welcome to another Ruby Rogues podcast. I'm David Kimura, and today on our panel, we have Eric Berry. Hey, y'all. And Andrew Mason. Good morning. And we have a special guest today, Stefan Vintemeyer. Hi. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So, Stefan, uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and why you're famous on the internet? Famous? I'm not famous. <laughs> um, okay, m my name is Stefan Wintermeyer. I'm from Germany. I uh, provide consulting mainly for RAIDs and for Phoenix, um, a little bit um, specialized on web performance and performance um, of um, high availability systems. Normally, I am kind of a firefighter for these systems. So um, companies hire me for, to solve special problems. And uh, every now and then I post a blog post, and that's the reason why I'm here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, and the blog post that you're referencing is the Rails, Need, Rails Needs Active Deployment. Can you tell us a bit about your blog post and what active deployment is? I know it's a coin phrase that you made up, but can you go into that a bit? Okay. In my experience, deployment is one of the major problems of normal rates users. So I'm not talking about the rock stars. Uh, they don't have any problems. I'm not talking about people who use uh, Heroku uh, because Heroku has a very nice tool set and deployment is, is, is super smooth. I'm talking about people who don't have money for Heroku or companies who don't have money for Heroku or um, who need a faster solution, or who, for whatever reasons, for example, in Germany, people like to host stuff on their own servers and not in the, in the cloud. So for those people, it is a big pain to set up a deployment system for um, a RAIDs application. And I don't see anything out there which makes it easier for them Normally, when when I when I come up this with this topic, uh, somebody is, is 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 saying me, yeah, why don't you use Docker? As <laughs> if Docker would be the solution for all the problems in the world. And if we just for for the argument, let's go to the Docker um, train of thought. Show me a single how to a single tutorial which describes how to deploy on Docker with Rails on production. You find a million of how-tos for Docker in development, but I don't need Docker for development. I would need Docker for uh, for production. And then I haven't found one yet. So again, for normal people, RAID deployment on non-Heroku environments is a nightmare. It's so hard to find. Like, and, I mean, even in your uh, 
blog post, you said it's hard to find a single tutorial, which, you know, goes through it step by step and you're 100% correct because it is hard to find people who are doing that out in the open or talking about it. And I, I haven't seen it yet, even like with other things related to using Rails and Docker, like getting Selenium working, which I have been trying to do for a while and still have nothing to show for it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because even if you can get your application spun up on Docker, so let's say if you're using Docker Compose, you have a YAML file, which lays out the environment to how it should be deployed, or if you build up your image and then you know, you have a functional image, it's like, where do you go from there? How do you get it from your computer or from your CI over to the hosting platform and then get it spun up to where if you have no migrations or anything like that, that there's no downtime. It just replaces instances or adds them into a load balancer. So how do you connect the load balancer? Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a lot of disconnects. And Kubernetes aside, because I think Kubernetes underlying technology uses containers, but it handles a lot of that unknown mysteries for you. But then you have a whole different set of unknown mysteries with Kubernetes in general of like, where the heck is my image? The thing I like about something like Azure or DigitalOcean or AWS is that if I want to go and see how many web servers I have stood up behind a load balancer, I can click and I can physically or on my screen, see, I had three or four servers. But then the you know, point is, how do you actually get those servers spun up? How do you deploy your application to it? And then how do you maintain the application? Or how do you maintain the service? So yeah, I think we're in for a lot of good discussions here. Simple stuff like, how do I upgrade the Ruby version? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, again, show me a single tutorial for that. And that's something which happens every year. Yeah, absolutely. And even there are some services like AWS Beanstalk, which makes upgrading Ruby versions very difficult. It's not something that is very intuitive. So I think that in a lot of ways, we are in a position right now where now we have deployed or we have you know developed all these applications And now we're at the point of trying to get them deployed and how do you deploy them successfully? Yeah, and my my point is the major problem is for new people who are Mm. getting into the Rails environment. For them, it's the biggest problem. And I believe that we lose quite a lot of companies and new developers on this step because everything else became so much easier with Rails in the, in the last couple of years. Rails is, is very easy. It has a very easy onboarding process. But that last step, and that's, that's a super important step, still is super complicated. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know if there really is a silver bullet. You know, maybe with uh, like your article coined the phrase active deployments, they could have a few subsets of deployment strategies to AWS, taking in what they feel is best practices and allow you to override it or spin up a simple Docker node. But I think a lot of the problems we find is there's a whole layer outside of just our web server. You have the networking layer, the entire architecture in general that 
you can't always assume how it should be set up. There's best practices that you can take and certain things that you can do, but um, I think it would be pretty hard to automate we, all of that completely. You, you know, we don't have to reach for the stars. It would be yeah. good to have one solution, like like a, an 80% solution, even a 50% solution would be better than everything we have right now. And in the last couple of years, rates included stuff like active cable and active storage and what whatnot. Those all were solutions where we had um, gems before, which were okay. For the storage, for example, we had multiple gems, which were okay. But now it's it became part of the of the core, and I don't care if the old gems were better or worse. I believe that once it's in the core, more people use it. So mm -hmm. um, that's and, and therefore then then that's good enough for me. I don't care about another gem which might be let's say five percent better. It's I don't care about that five percent. Once it's in the core and everybody uses this. Uh, the advantage is so much more than than the optimal. And that's the same for this um, active deployment idea. We need to have some basic concept which gets more people running than now. And right now we only have like, I don't know, Capistrano, but gee, installing Capistrano, configuring it, that's complicated. That's not easy. Yeah. Both, I think, Capistrano, Ansible, Puppet, and Chef, those have such high overhead. And you almost need a person who specializes in just those things to get them configured properly. So, yeah, you know, when someone says, oh, just use Chef or Puppet, it's like, it's not quite that easy. You have to understand how to use those in best practices to stand up your environment. Yeah, yeah I can speak to that. I. I, the other day, was told, well, you could just do this in a chef script. And I went and looked at all the chef scripts, and I, my mind was just quickly overwhelmed. I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. You know, I have no experience with deployment, and I try to stay away from it, honestly, because you're totally correct. It's, it's, it's a black hole almost for people who are not super experienced with it, and there is no great solution. Yeah. You know, for me... In handling deployments, I think the easiest thing that I found outside of something like Heroku is using something like AWS Beanstalk. Or I think Azure has something very similar and Oracle is coming out with something similar too, I think. So for those who don't know about Beanstalk, it is a interface that you get where it'll set up a load balancer and then it'll spin up your web servers. You still have to do the management of your external services like your database. You have to create your database, any kind of Redis instances and stuff like that. But as far as actually deploying your code, it'll spin up new web servers as it needs to and it'll deploy your code to there and they make it a lot easier to do than having to start everything from scratch with a blank VM. But there still is, like you're saying, Stefan, a lot of overhead with that, where it's not just a, you know, do a Rails deploy, and then it just magically works once you put in your API keys or whatever. Even if we would say, let's use Heroku as a default, 
And I'm not saying that because uh, <laughs> I don't believe that this is a good idea. But let's assume that we that we all that the that the Rails community would say, okay, Heroku is our default deployment choice. That would be that's an easy deployment. Uh, that that's what I call an easy deployment because you get Heroku up and running within five minutes, no problem. Everything else takes at least hours, most times days. Mm -hmm. Plus the big problem, once you have it deployed and then you keep it there for, let's say, half a year or maybe even longer, you forget about it, you forget about the deployment stuff, et cetera, et cetera, and then you have to upgrade it. And then you are in a big problem because you totally forgot it and obviously didn't write the documentation as you should. Yeah, yeah. This is something that I've I've run through a bunch, and and I've been doing Rails for quite a while. And um, I mean, I remember back in the day, two thousand eight. Like, I was forced to stay overnight at my company until we can get the damn server running, uh, and we had to run it on Mongrel. Um, and I remember when Passenger came out, I was one of the I was in the first list of people to donate to to Passenger because it solved such a huge problem. I think that that's, uh, it seems like the ease of deployment when Passenger came out uh, to where it is now kind of kind of went away. Like deploying on a Passenger, an Apache Passenger server used to be pretty simple with Capistrano. Now, with Capistrano and Webistrano, I should say, but nowadays I won't even touch it. I, I If I can't make it work on Heroku under their plan, then I need to rethink what I'm working on. For me, because the cost of Heroku, uh, for example, my Heroku bill right now for CodeFund is, I think, right around $450 a month. But that product itself is returning a lot more than $450 a month. Now, it's either that or we move it over to something like AWS or DigitalOcean, which both of them I love. However, the amount of headache it takes, the amount of actual cost, uh, developer cost it takes to maintain those those services is really great. So Heroku for me is is has is and will always be my go-to for for applications. In fact, the previous company that I worked with, our Heroku bill was I think around four or five thousand, and it was still worth it because that's still half the price of a full-time DevOps person. Eric, you were talking about Passenger. Can you talk about what that is real quick, just for people who don't know? Sure. Back in two thousand and nine, I believe. There's something called Passenger came out. It was put out by Hong. I can't remember. Hong Ha. Yes. So it's Apache Passenger, and I'm Googling it real quick. And um, it was just a library that allowed uh, simplistic deployment, similar to how PHP apps were deployed. Essentially, you would just set up a, you would install Passenger on your Apache server, and then you would set up your uh, your host file to point to your uh, Rails root, and you'd say, okay, my passenger Ruby is to this Ruby path, and then it, it just worked. And that became, I think, the de facto way to do deploys for a very long time until Nginx gained popularity. Does that sound Sorry right? Nginx is much like Apache, a web server, but Passenger, Puma, Unicorn are application servers. So they will interpret your Ruby code, convert it into HTML to hand off to your web server, Nginx, to then serve to the end user. Yeah, you can use Passenger with Apache and with Nginx. Um, yeah. it's, from that point of view, it's the same. 
Yeah. But it's okay, Eric. We don't blame you. We know you're not the DevOps guy. <laughs> oh, I'm not the DevOps guy at all. But but he, he, he came up with a very good uh, point. Mm-hmm. PHP was so easy to deploy. And I used PHP before I used Rails. And I, I haven't I haven't used PHP like in I don't know in, I want to say in ten years but um, I guess PHP deployment still is super easy and rates has never been easy uh, with passenger or without passenger passenger I agree uh, makes life easier but um, still the installation of passenger is uh, not easy for everybody. Yeah. And upgrading it is not easy. So the whole maintenance problem with, with Passenger, um, if you're using the free version, um, is not for everybody. But I, I agree, it's a great product. Uh, I, it's, it is. Yeah, the more and more I got into the DevOps, the less I saw need for Passenger and just using the default Puma web, uh, application service. So... Typically on the applications that deploy, I try to keep the dependencies as minimal as possible, and that includes the application service. So I'll usually just have a service, I'll create a service that will spin up Puma, and then I have Nginx in front of that acting as a proxy to then send the request over to one of the open sockets that Puma has listening. Passenger usually has a smaller uh, memory footprint. Uh, so it used to be a big difference. I haven't touched it for quite a while, so I don't know how the current situation is. But uh, Passenger really, really was um, much lighter than the um, Puma or whatever stack. Um, so that was quite, um, or still is quite a big uh, point for big installations. Mm-hmm. And um, what is super important, uh, you get um, support for Passenger. You know, you can buy help. You cannot buy help for other stuff. But if you're yeah. using the combination of Nginx and Passenger, you get support for Nginx and support for Passenger. And for many, many companies, that is key. So if we did have an active deployment, as you coined it, what are your minimum requirements for that? Like, what would you want it to have and do and be? I, 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 really, I really don't care because I, I just want... A set, A set, what, what, whatever that means. I don't want to say that's deploy on Linux or that's deploy on Debian or Ubuntu or whatever. Whoever is smarter than me can make that decision, as did in the past people with Active Record or with other stuff in Rails. That was not my decision. Somebody thought about it and um, probably DHH. And um, said, okay, let's go that, let's use Active Record because, in my opinion, that's the best thing. And I, as a Rails developer, just follow along. So I want the same thing with deployment. I want somebody who's smarter than I to um, make that decision and I just follow along. Yeah, and I could see something like this getting entertained to some fashion within the Rails core because it's something that you would interact with hopefully often on a project. Whereas something like uh, another area like authentication, that doesn't get touched very much. You set it up one time and then you're done. You never really go back and mess with it. So there's not really a need to 
pull that into the core. But with deployments, that's something you're going to be touching every week, multiple times a day, you know, at least once a month. So I can see having yeah, you some know, standardized process worthwhile. You know, everybody's talking about uh, continuous integration. So everybody wants to do that. But, you know, let's face it, it's not easy to set up. <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh because um, I definitely agree there. So I've used different continuous integrations. I've used the Azure pipelines, GitLab CI. I've used Travis CI, Circle CI, you know, a whole variety of them. And every single one of them is different. Uh, I've also used CodeShip and, you know, the Docker Compose file that you would send to those to stand up your environment works on one. It might work on another, but it's not going to work on all of them. They're all different. They all have their own homebrewed syntax that you add in that's so specific to their stuff. So it's definitely um, an issue there. So I think one one starting point would be having an agreement or some standardization of a uh, CI API that's been standardized across all the platforms that you can say, hey, we have these services that we want to test. We have this code base, this kind of code base, a Rails application 5.2 or whatever. And then based on those, you have a common amount of information that you need to stand up the environment. And from there, you can have a command code uh, on the API to say, here is how we run the tests on our environment. So I think, you know, getting it over to a CICD is definitely the first step in automating, uh, you know, deployments or having something built into the Rails core. We could even have a interpreter for, uh, you know, how we deploy or the CICD where we have a YAML file just like we do with everything else in Rails in the configuration side of things with active storage, the database, but we would have a YAML file that is in a Rails DS sale that would allow us to stand up our environment. So it's going to be much easier, much prettier than whichever. And then you can just tell it who's the ingress going to be. Is it going to be Circle CI or Travis? Is it going to be CodeShip or someone else? And then it can convert it over into these specific YAML files or their pipeline files that they use in order to run the test. So that way, we're all working off of something very similar in standard while still having the capability of using whoever we want. Yeah, that sounds great. Whenever you finish that, just let me know. I'd love to try it out. Are other uh, frameworks or languages doing this right now? I mean, I've I've gone through the rigmarole of of trying to deploy Rails outside of Heroku, and and I've I've gone to uh, things like I can't remember, but there are different deployment uh, strategies. Like for example, I used Cloud sixty six for a long time, long time. Cloud sixty six is actually a really good pick because they provide a similar Heroku experience that's on top of your own server, whether it be AWS, DigitalOcean, whoever it might be. The problem with that is that you're tied down to them and to pull out of something, uh, to pull out of of a deployment strategy using companies like that, you're kind of locked in. 
And so, I mean, they're, they're, they're great. And if you, you can't afford Heroku, I mean, something like Cloud66 or Nanobox, I think is the other one that I was thinking of. Those might be an ideal way to go. But again, those are for cost. So I wonder if what we're really asking is, is there an open source version like Capistrano is that maybe takes it to the next level that will automate the deployment and yet still allow you to keep that in-house uh, for, for no cost? I'm, ah, yeah. I'm just scrolling through my uh, blog post to, through the comments. Before that, I would like to answer your initial question about uh, how other uh, platforms work. I have a little bit of um, Phoenix uh, background, and deployment is not easy with Phoenix either, but it has some super interesting features, like you actually can do hot deployment with Phoenix because it's Alexia, because it's uh, it's Erlang, et cetera, et cetera. And um, real hot deployment, with rails is um that's a big topic like you you have to have a big um uh, proxy uh in front of your uh, rails applications and you have to some sort of rollover scenario etc 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 so that's that's nothing easy to to accomplish with phoenix that is super easy um so that, that's just for 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 that but um, back to my blog post and back to the comments, there are, uh, somebody uh, said that Hatchbox IO would be a good idea or a good solution. That's not free, but that's kind of the way I think would be a good idea. Something like Hatchbox IO, but for free and open source. I have a little bit of familiar with Hatchbox and you're right. It would be great to have something like that for free, but I think one of the, reasons why it's not is it's so hard to build something like this and it requires so much upkeep and so much work that it's just not sustainable for someone to do it for free. I mean, and like we keep talking about a lot of these services we've all talked about, they're mostly not free. I mean, a lot of them have free plans, but I think part of the reason is because it is expensive and it's hard to upkeep and it requires a lot of work. I I disagree. Uh, Rates is free too. There's all, uh, already a lot of work going into Rails, a lot of work by many, many people, many, many companies. So why is deployment something different? Why is it special? I don't think it is special. I think it's just something where it's so opinionated that everyone has their own idea of how a server should look. And I think, you know, uh, but, but- the different options out there are just so vast. Yeah, but but again, we had that in the past with, uh, for example, with storage. There were a couple of storage gems which all did good storage, mm-hmm. and now we have one central solution. Everybody uses it, and I don't care if the other gems were better or worse. I care that we now have one solution everybody uses. So we have, you know, the community agreed to a solution, and that's good. And I'm searching for something like that. And just because we have a vast variety, that's not a good enough argument because we have stuff like Hedgebox IO, we have stuff like uh, Heroku. So we only have good solutions. We just need, just, you know, <laughs> we, we, we just have to agree on a solution and move forward. And, and the big problem is the rates gods have to make that call. Because they don't see the, pro- the problem. Um, they don't have the pain. 
and that's uh, until then we will have no solution because they do not have the pain. Yeah. What are people doing now? I mean, I, I, I'm just curious. You and I, I think, think very similar, Stefan, where I, I think that a solution for this would be good. Uh, perhaps I don't mind paying for the solution when it's the right solution. But what do you think people are doing right now? Um, is it more of a rite of passage saying that, yeah, it might be a little complicated deploying and maintaining, but this is, uh, this is how it works. And this is if, you know, it's just one of the costs of using the framework. Uh, and let me give a little context. My brother runs a, a job board and he has, I, I, uh, Dave, I know he talked to you. I can't remember the numbers that he threw out, but they were like crazy numbers on how many servers he has running. And they're all, I believe, Dockerized root Rails apps. Did that sound right, Dave? Uh, who's your brother? Uh, you're talking to him on the other Slack. He's um, oh, Mark okay. Avery. Yeah, okay. I never knew he was your brother. Yeah, he's my brother. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. They have a pretty ridiculous amount. Uh, Stefan, have you heard of um, Jack? It is, I'll post a link to it, and it'll probably be one of my picks, but it's the same guy who made the Jet framework for serverless. He made this Jack EB, which allows you to provision an entire Elastic Beanstalk environment with dependencies, and it gives you the ability to deploy seamlessly just from your command line to that environment. So really, all you have to do is give it your API keys and then tell it a little bit about your environment, and then it's going to deploy it to AWS uh, pretty seamlessly. I haven't tried it out yet, but it is something that I think could be a promising start to see, you know, because I believe it's open source to decompile to see how it could be made universal to other environments as well. Yeah. And, and again, I don't care what solution we are, we are heading for. Um, yeah. I'm uh, Any solution which works is good for me. And I have to repeat my point there until this problem doesn't get more visibility. That's all, all, all we do is just talk. So everybody who listens to this podcast and who agrees with us should raise the problem on Twitter or anywhere. Um, my, my Twitter account is Wintermeyer. So please raise the problem, raise the issue. If you have an issue with that, raise it. Um, because otherwise nothing will happen. Yeah, I agree. I think that it is the exposure of... Uh, good old social media that could be what starts a movement there. And mm -hmm. we all will benefit. We, we all will benefit from this. Everybody needs deployment. Everybody. It's not like storage. Not everybody needs storage. Not everybody needs needs, needs active cable. But everybody mm -hmm. needs deployment. Yeah. What do you find is the best way to solve the solution right now? Let's say let's say the Rails community doesn't come up with a solution. What do you if someone came up to you and asked for a recommendation? What would you give? Pooh, hire me. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, that's yeah. that's part of the way I make a living, solving these kind of problems, because they are too complicated for people who just have one web shop and many rates consultants make a living from this but um, 
I don't believe that this is the optimal way. The optimal way would be a solution like PHP has. Um, and then the second way would be to include something like, and I, I, I just say Hedgebox. I've, I've never used Hedgebox, so I, I really don't know if it's a good solution. But I'm looking for something like Hedgebox from the idea. And uh, right now, if you want to do a deployment, um, you you have to you have to Google it for um, for some sort of tutorial, and then Stack Overflow is your friend. Yeah, I will offer one counterpoint on the ease of PHP. It is really simple to deploy a PHP simple application. You could even just FTP over and then paste it in there. And then your application is pretty much live once you configure the web server. But things do get a little more complicated if you have any external services or if you have, you know, several servers that you have to deploy to. So I think having a multi-node web server is something that is almost a requirement nowadays. If you're going to do anything production, you know, having a failover server or just two behind a load balancer. May, may, may I interrupt you there? Yeah, yeah, um, sure. And, and now I'm on very thin ice, but in my <laughs> opinion, 99% of all web shops out there need one big server. Most companies, like the, the, again, the 99%, make their lives so complicated by adding big H, uh, high availability systems around it and failover systems, et cetera, et cetera. And I've seen so many problems raising just because of these complicated um, systems, and not of, of because of raids, because they don't understand the system after a year anymore. And that's a big, big issue. Of course, big companies uh, need multiple servers, no question asked. But 99% or maybe 98% do not need them. They are fine with one big server, and uh, it's better for them anyway. Uh, of course, they, they need to have a good backup. They need to have a restore procedure, et cetera, et cetera. But most companies do not need uh, high availability. Um, they, the, the work doesn't end for them if they have to restore the system and that takes like an hour. But again, it's, I, I know most people disagree with me there, uh, but the amount of work and the amount of money I see wasted for, for this idea of high availability for normal companies with normal web shops is incredible. And then you see them uh, being offline because they didn't re, uh, renew their SSL certificate, <laughs> which happens all I'm, the time. I, I'm going to go back to my question before, and I'm going to say that this is not an issue that's a Rails-specific issue. I don't know of any, unless it's a containerized like Java app that you can just drop on, drop in, I don't know of anyone who does this very well. Uh, who can we point to as a beacon of how to do this? And if not, is this an issue that's, that we even need to solve? Heroku does a good job. No, Heroku's it's, it's, a paid service. That's a completely different thing, though. Heroku's a paid service. There's a lot of paid services that'll do it. But what you're asking for is a non-paid service that you can do it yourself that's built into the framework. There's not, nothing. There are only a couple of tutorials, uh, which most times are outdated. So we have to figure it out by yourself, but um, there's, there's really nothing. Otherwise, so, I wouldn't, I, otherwise, I wouldn't have brought it up. 
if there's nothing, then I'm not sure exactly what we can expect from the community to provide a solution that's never been provided in any framework or language out there. We had the same situation with, with in the past, in the last couple of years, with rates with, with stuff like um, uh, Active Cable. There was nothing before there, but there was a need for it, so it was created. Uh, it's not like uh, this is not an unsolvable problem. It's just there has to be a will uh, to solve this. You know, I, I agree with you that active cable is one thing, but I, I, I don't know if comparing active cable as a utility that you can use within your application to a form of deployment to any type of server. The way that I see this eventually working is like they've said, we have Jack, which is a way to easily deploy and manage environments on uh, AWS. And we have Heroku, of course, and we have Cloud66, and we have uh, Nanobox, and all these different tools that we can use. Now, I suppose that is the answer, right? I mean, that has to be the answer. What I'm understanding is that you want to essentially take something similar to that and build it into Rails. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yes, it is. And I do not have the solution. I just see the problem. I just want to raise the the, 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 the the problem. It's not that I don't have a solution for that, but I know there are plenty of smart people within the Rails community who are more than able to solve this. Yeah, and, you know, I think we'll eventually get there, you know, because, like you said, there's a good number of people out there who do not have this problem. You know, they are very familiar with the DevOps side of things, but... You know, as time goes on and on, we are getting more and more younger people into this field who've never had that luxury of messing around with a rack server or a hosted environment. You know, Andrew's waving his hand is one of those. So I think we are going to see a shift in dynamics where some things that we as more experienced or people who've been in this field a bit longer never had that struggle, we're going to start seeing that struggle, you know, kind of come back and, you know, something's going to have to be done around that if you want the framework to survive. Otherwise, they're going to go over to .NET or something where, you know, deployments are, you know, easy or Python or whatever else that does provide that functionality. But, But none of the others provide that functionality, right? With the Azure pipeline, they do have some stuff that makes the deployments for .NET a lot easier through tasks, where it's basically you just provide a couple of parameters. But you know that's not a really fair argument because you're buying into the whole Microsoft ecosystem, and that has a hefty price tag in itself. Yeah, I don't, Stefan. I don't disagree with you. I think that this idea is great, but I, I hope that. For me, the gravity of the request is so huge because it's essentially saying, like, please take all of the the skills and knowledge and brain power and time that it took to generate tools such as those that we've mentioned and then wrap those into the framework, whereas there are already solutions out there. So, I mean, why not just say use those, you know? And when I asked, uh, you said, well, hire me. If, if someone asked me, I might say, check out these tools. You know, these are all the different options. Here are the, here are the four cost options. Here are the free options. And, and choose which one fits you. Again, I don't 
I, I don't care which which tool we are going to use. I just want to have one tool which is the default, like we have with Active Record, like we have with Action Cable, like we have with the storage engine, like we have with, with so many things but, within the Rails community. We we always have a default, and if you don't like that default. You don't have to use it. You can use something that are different. And I just want the same situation with this deployment. So when a newbie comes into the ecosystem, he or she can use the default. And that's working for this and that scenario. And if he or she doesn't like it, they can use something different. But I want to pick up like the, 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 the majority of users, not everybody. I'm always good with an 80% solution. Uh, I don't have to reach for the stars. Yeah, and I think we could achieve something like that. But it would have to be in the form of a DSL wrapper. So we're not targeting a specific platform because platforms will come and go. But having something within Rails, a configuration file or something where we could just specify a YAML or Ruby-esque kind of code that would get interpreted by the service and then that would know how to deploy to AWS, Azure, Heroku even, or DigitalOcean. Yeah. So I think those things already exist to a point, and perhaps they're in, I'm not informed enough to know if they, there is a commonality between them, but you know, you have your Docker config, which contains server setup. You have, I know on Nanobox, they have a, a, a Nano YAML or something like that that allows you to do that. I know that if you're deploying Python or on Kubernetes, there's, a, um, I think, a Helm file where you can configure that. There's, so there's a bunch of different solutions out there that allow you to do a common configuration. So perhaps the solution might be a, a repository or something that says, hey, here are all of the different places you can deploy and here are some example config files for deploying on each one of those. Now, I don't believe that I personally, and this is my opinion, I don't believe that it should be part of core rails. I just don't see that that happening unless unless something like Heroku or something like those become free for everybody where it's like a globally used thing. But until that happens, I think that maybe up maybe tutorials where we can, you know, have the community keep them updated and just show like, here's how you deploy to all of these different places. That would be really the, the best long-term solution that I can think of. Because in all reality, for me, ask, asking, like putting up a banner and saying, hey, we want this, that's fine and great and all. But at the end of the day, it's like, I, I don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. Okay, let's meet in the middle and ask for a central documentation for tutorials within the RAIDS community. Like we have the default documentation for RAIDS. But there's no word of deployment there. So we need a point there to have a tutorial for how to deploy for Heroku, how to deploy to Debian, Ubuntu, whatnot. I don't care. But have one central point where any new user can go, walk through that tutorial, and get the defined solution result. So when he or she gets into trouble, everybody within the community knows, okay, this guy took this route and he got stuck, so maybe we have to fix the tutorial. 
Right okay. now we don't have we, right now we don't have a central place where we put these tutorials. I believe right now everybody who has the time writes his his own tutorial. Ninety nine percent these are outdated like two months later. Sure. Um, and nobody has time or you know why should I update my own tutorial if I don't use it anymore? Sure. Uh, you sure. Know, so we need a central point for this. Sure. Yeah. And it has to be it has to be part of the of the race community. It's it's not like it's not good enough if I start this. It has to be, you know, the core team has to recognize the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I could see a deployment gym or something like that that will spin up a Kubernetes environment. Because, I mean, really, if we're talking about a easy-to-use gym that will spin up an entire environment then Kubernetes probably would be the answer just because it's universal. Whether you're self-hosting, whether you're using Azure or AWS, Kubernetes, it's all the same. It's the same API between all of them. So that way you could deploy to whichever environment that you want to without you know, having to change anything. I'm all for that. But I have one question. Does anybody know how Basecamp deploys? I was going to ask that earlier, but no, I have no idea. Because normally, yeah. if, if Basecamp has a, a, a pain, it gets solved. <laughs> yep. So looking from an article in 2015, it looks like Basecamp uses uh, Chef through Capistrano for deployments. So they've built their own uh, deployment scripts that manages everything. But... I'm tweeting DHH right now, asking him about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your Twitter account? Oh, at, at Coderberry. I'll, I'll link it. I, I do like what y'all said earlier, though, about maybe having this built into Rails might not be the best solution, but having a central or having like Rails guides like on the actual um, Rails tutorial guides website or real, I can't remember the name of the website right now, but where all the documentation is for Rails, maybe that's where we need to get up some documentation about deploying to deployment in general. Maybe that is where the kind of, like you guys said earlier, that's where we kind of meet in the middle and we're like, okay, well, putting this into Rails doesn't make a hundred percent sense, or maybe it's not going to be what everyone wants. And it's really no way to get something that everyone wants. Maybe having a central group of tutorials and walkthroughs and explanations is kind of where we can all kind of say, yeah, that would, that is what we need right now. It would be an intermediate step. It would be so much better than everything we have right now. Mm. Yeah. And for the record, the Drift and Ruby video that I have on Beanstalk, I do keep up to date with um, Beanstalk because that is my primary choice of deployment. So I do try to keep it up to date so it still works. And it's something that I refer back to when I need to spin up a new app. Perhaps that's also the problem is that deploying is kind of like a, a, a one-time thing. At least getting everything is set up, it feels like almost like a one-time thing. Company that I work with, we're currently go so we lost one of our employees and that and they were were completely set up on Kubernetes on AWS. And now it's like nobody knows what the heck to do and we're trying to get out of Kubernetes and it's like untangling this web of of DevOps configuration and it, it it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it is. And and we know that in a couple of years there will be a different technology. 
Like, I don't know, Red Snow like, is more than 10 years old. I remember, that's funny, um, a week or two weeks ago, I was at a conference in South Africa, and I talked about the first uh, YouTube video of, uh, of David about uh, the 50-minute dog. Most people didn't know that. You know, most people didn't uh, haven't watched that. And for us, it's like that was like the beginning of everything. And everybody who jumps on the race train today doesn't even know that. So many things have changed over the years. Like in those days, we didn't have migrations. Today, migrations are the, are, are a given. Um, and so is other, other stuff. We didn't have Docker. We didn't have, I don't know, whatever. Uh, which is today normal and in five years we will have other stuff which is normal um so it's a constant change yep so is there anything else we want to touch on or should we move on to picks okay dhh um we just replied haven't looked recently let me know what you find <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny all right well stefan if people want to find out where you are on the internet, where should they go? Twitter is a good idea. So uh, my Twitter account is Wintermeyer, um, W-I-N-T-E-R-M-E-Y-E-R. Otherwise, just um, Google me, Stefan Wintermeyer, and you get to my webpage, which is uh, wintermeyer-consulting.de. Yeah, I'm pretty easy to Google. Cool. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume, you spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them, and if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash rogues. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. All right. Well, let's move on to picks. Uh, Eric, what are your picks? Um, I'm, I think I'm just going to pick one today, and it's something that I haven't picked before. Uh, running Code Fund has been a challenge by because we're such a small team. So using technology to fill the gaps is critical for us. One of the things that we've recently introduced is um, a platform which I'm sure all of us have interfaced with, which is Intercom. Now, back in the day, uh, a few years ago, I think when I last used Intercom, it was a very good chat application to be able to chat with your visitors. But now it's kind of neat because not only do they have the chat support, they also have the ability to set up uh, criteria and trigger messages based on certain criteria. So, for example, if a new publisher comes onto our platform and they don't have any website set up, I can actually know that in the app and trigger a message saying, hey, I notice you don't have any websites set up. Click this button to set it up. And essentially, it becomes a, uh, an onboarding uh, tool. And in businesses like mine, the onboarding is such a critical part because it can be confusing to get everything set up and running. Once, you know, like what we're talking about, once it's set up and running, it's fine and dandy, but getting to that point is a little bit more complicated. So 
Uh, also, Intercom offers a, uh, a startup package. I believe it's uh, $49 a month for the first year. You have to qualify, and hopefully they'll qualify us. Hopefully somebody at Intercom is listening and they'll qualify us. But, yeah, it's I've been very impressed so far. In fact, it's already become a tool that I'm not sure I can go without. Cool. And Andrew, Pix? I have been playing with GitHub bots recently. I think they're super fun, and I have yet to make anything super useful, but I'm getting there. But one of the things that really helps doing that is ProBot. Uh, so I'm sure some of you guys have seen ProBot floating around on GitHub. But yeah, I think their docs are great. Their community is awesome. I've had, I had an issue or two, and I jumped into their Slack group, and they all immediately jumped to help me. Um, so yeah, that's my pick. Awesome. And I will jump in here with the pick, and I'll pick the jack-eb.com, which is the same guy who made the Jets serverless framework. He made a framework around Elastic Beanstalk for quickly and simply provisioning an environment in spirit of our deployment talks today. All right, and Stefan, do you have any picks for us? I didn't do my homework. All right, yeah, it's no problem. I do want well, to throw one thing in real quick. I, I apologize. Uh, DHH did reply. He said, uh, as uh, you kind of alluded to, Stefan, he said he hasn't looked recently. He said, let me know what you find, <laughs> which basically is like, look, this is, the, this is the problem for the community, not for us. And uh, <laughs> so there you go. Straight, for, straight from DHH. Yeah. Again, he doesn't have the pain. Yeah. Well, and plus, you know, they hire people probably to do the DevOps side of things. So the lone wolf, you know, or solo programmer may may not have that luxury. But anyways, I think it's been great discussion and definitely a starting point with your blog posts and this talk where, you know, maybe there will be some traction. I would love to. It's um, and, and, and thank you for having me. It's it's uh, really appreciate that you guys um, give visibility to this topic. Yeah, All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for coming, Stefan, and we'll chat later. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more. <laughs>